Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Swedes 2 Turnips 1. This is the football podcast where veteran journalists from the Sun reveal all for your entertainment. Today, we're talking about football's big games and the trials and tribulations which come along with covering them. I'm your host, Reshman Chowdhury, and today we have the Sun's head of sport, Sean Custis, and football writers Paul Jiggins and Andy Dillon. Gentlemen, let's start with a quick fire question, shall we? As always, how do we define a big game? Jigo, going to start with you. The big game is the one you're sent to. Um, I think obviously in the fixture list you've got oh, Premier League one. No, the no, one no, that you no, get sent no, to. Well, I get sent to, yeah, I should say that. <laughs> oh, I should have sent them to Reading Sheffield United. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Only I will say this because I once <laughs> caught the ump that I was taking off uh, what I thought was a big game and sent to Watford v Reading. And I thought, oh, well, there you go, Reading. There you however, go. that was that a game of the ghost goal. If you remember mm. when uh, the, the, someone scored, Reading scored, and it didn't cross the line at all, didn't even go between the posts. And they gave it the goal, and so it then became the big story. So what you find also, having done a lot of lower league games, a cup sort of FA Cup, drinking, you sometimes go to what might not be traditionally seen as a big game, but it might be the biggest game in a club's history. Yeah, very so that's true. That's what I meant by about the biggest game is the one you sent to. No, I think you're right. I think the big game is down to the club more than more than you. I mean, I loved covering lower league football when I was a local reporter, and those games meant everything to the community, meant mm. everything to the players, to the town. It might be a relegation clash, whatever, but it, it's who defines it as a big game? It's not always you know, Chelsea v Arsenal, Chelsea v Liverpool. It can be top end of the conference. It can be, at the minute, my local side is involved in trying to get up from south central uh, whatever. Tier 8. Tier 8. And at the moment, they all feel like big games when you go and watch them. When I get the chance to go and watch them, fantastic fun. As they say, every game is a final. Often they're a lot better than the the, The the big build. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I remember, as Sean was saying, uh, a couple of years back, I went to see Walton and Hersham play Molesy. I live in Molesy, and it's the local derby. Mm. And and about 11 fans have walked up the two miles from Molesy to Walton and Hersham. And there was one stand, and then there was, you know, a, a low fence. But the, the fans had chosen to segregate themselves <laughs> just to kind of create that atmosphere. And there were about half a dozen or a dozen, say, Molesy fans over by this little fence over the other side, all singing, you know, we ate Walton and we ate Walton. <laughs> and then Molesy scored. And it was when smoke bombs were really popular. But they didn't have one. They had like an indoor firework. <laughs> and they had it on the top of the fence post. And they lit this small indoor firework. You could just see it. it oh, bless of, them. It was, all, it, was, it was no more than cigarette smoke. They're all kidding. <laughs> it's like even the, the smoke air. changes as you go well, down and lower down. Yeah, that's what I, they're, they're the best. They're you know, the, brilliant. Uh, um, it's when it matters, really. Yeah, yeah. 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 what's at stake, isn't it? Actually. The team I'm talking about is, is where, which is my the town where I now yeah. now live in and the, I can't remember the team it might have been Hendon or something the other week and they brought along like 
a group of kids who I think were the players' children stood behind the goal and they brought along like kazoos <laughs> and and sort of rattles and they never shut up the whole mm. game. The crowd was about. I was going to say that's exactly what I thought. It reminded me of the boozellas. The crowd was about a hundred and this lot never stopped blowing the things from start finish. We felt like, would you mind keeping it down, please? This is not. We, we don't do that sort of thing around here. God, the noise of it. The keeper was getting so fed up with them. But, and, you know, but it, was, it was just funny. Uh, have the banner up, welcome to hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is all about what's at stake, but there's so much at stake when it's a knockout game. Um, what are your experiences of those types of games? Jigo, you were at Ajax Tottenham, I believe, last oh, it was, year. yes. What it, a game. I mean, that was, that's where your copy changes. That was, I was so pleased. At the last minute. Dave Kidd was doing that. Yeah, completely. What were you doing? The quotes, which was great. Pie watch. Well, I was actually on beer watch near the end because at halftime, 2-0 up, I actually threw them up on aggregate, game looked dead. Yeah, yeah. And again, because of the uh, number of press applications, number of journalists there, we were sitting among the home fans. Mm. Oh, I see, were you? You never have this, do you? We do have to do this sometimes. Yeah, yeah, no, I don't at all. Helicopter, yeah, I know. Lunch in the middle of the pitch. Players being fed quails in. Who told you that? How did you know? You're on the pitch as the game's being played. So we sat in the stand and two new up and the home fans are obviously you know jubilant and they're really patched well. I took my plan, still quite well. And that's what I said. Yeah, it's not over yet. You know, it's hard. And then, but it kind of was, wasn't, wasn't it? And then it felt like it was over. Yeah, but then, and then when the, obviously Lucas Moore was last minute goal, and then mm. we all got covered in what I hope was beer. <laughs> but oh, I'm still not no. sure on his day. I actually got sent to do England. Sean, you'll remember better than me. England had a few games with Turkey, didn't they? Yeah. Ten or about a dozen. There was this kind of feud going on, wasn't it? it? Was. it was kicked off in the tunnel and everything. And I think before. Turkey obviously had a reputation for being a bit aggressive. Hmm. Um, so I got sent to do Galatasaray. You got the players or the fans? Ev- ev- everything. 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 Yeah, everything. everything so really. I got sent to Istanbul to do the Istanbul derby between Galatasaray and Fenerbahce. Oh, and how was that? I would love do to you know go to I that game. I was really disappointed. Really? Yeah. What? God, with everything really you hear dis- about I don't that. Know what I'm used to at West Ham, but it must, um, <laughs> you know, they, it's one of those where... At the London Stadium or Hampton Park? Yeah, not at the London Stadium, yeah. but they... They had the water cannons out. They had this, that, the other. But it was just—it was nothing what I'd expected. You know, I'd expected. See, to I'm expecting fireworks. Hat, no. Oh, when we went with England, we needed the yeah. We had the riot shields up above us. People were pelting stuff on top of us. I think I went everything. to the game, but couldn't get in that night. I had to watch it in town somewhere. Yeah, it was. I t- um, to be honest, every game in Turkey always seemed like a big one to me. It was mm. a, just crazy. Yeah. Well, that's but, what yeah, I would have thought. You must have got the one duff on then. But the Istanbul oh. derby, yeah, it was. Mm. It was really. There was absolutely nothing. I was I was expecting rocks to be flying, but I think Galatasaray just moved into the new. They'd had the old Olympic Stadium, if I think mm-hmm. if I'm right. And I think, as with most Olympic stadiums, it kills the atmosphere completely. <laughs> yeah. Like he says, getting yes. in. Yeah. Um, and it killed it completely, and it was just vast, open, empty, and windblown, and nothing. There were, the trouble mm-hmm. is, what I don't think is there weren't so many Fenerbahce fans. They don't travel. Like right. they do in England, which is the that, that's why you get so many great games in England. Fan, no, I don't think anybody yeah, travels like fans. the English fans, do they? No. The whole, on you know weekends, the whole country's being crisscrossed by yeah. thousands of supporters. Yeah, I agree with you. And sometimes it's not about what happens on the pitch; um, it's Milton about all the stories. Well. <laughs> what happens off the pitch? <laughs> no, no, but it is. And England, Switzerland. What was this about? A manager promising a cow. 
well, to did, some players. I think, was it Kobe Kuhn was the Switzerland manager? How does this even be, work? My job used to be covering the opposition. For, in England's big games, Right. Okay. was always do the, the opposition in the build-up to try mm. and get under the manager's skins, you know, and try and get something out of them. So, being on the sun, you've got to try and dream up some idea. So... Let's try and you know it was the classic phrase on Sun Sport at the time. Get him to say, get yeah. him, get him to say this. And ring him up and get him to say yeah. that. Yeah. So in a roundabout way, we were sitting in a, it was actually sitting in the dressing rooms um, with, with the guy, and he was just doing a kind of a separate with the English press, um, and we managed to get him to say that if Switzerland beat England, every one of my players should be given a free cow. How did you get him to say that? How do you get someone to say that? I think I did the old classic. Well, I mumbled really quickly. Cow. Yeah. <laughs> if Switzerland beat England, would you think your players deserve a free cow? And he says, sorry, yes, what? And it's, it's, no, yes. No, we, we, we kind of, you know, warmed him up, teased him around to it, and we actually got him to say, yeah, it would be great, and he was laughing and that mm. sort of stuff. But the thing that got that I got the hump over was the fact that the, the next day we filed it and we had our little story in the sun, but the, the Daily Mirror had a front page exclusive of it, and they didn't even have a reporter there. So it was just an agency, and I just yeah. saw one of their news reporters had big banner, and they claimed it as their story. And as one of one of my assets is, I'm very defensive of what we I do on some sport. You might say that. Yes, I was expecting a reaction. Yeah, if it's out, you know, if I think we've done it and we've done it, you know, it's our story, and we've, you know, it wasn't exclusive, but they certainly it certainly didn't belong to them, and it just, I just. And it's still great to say something, didn't you? Yeah, it's very minor, but it's great something. Sean needs to know how much I care about the podcast. Yeah, Sean is learning every day. I was in before England played. I did that game on a Friday night against Australia, a friend in Algeria, played on the Monday. And on the Sunday, our Sunday paper broke the story of another episode with an escort girl or something. Oh, right. So I was given the task of going down to Basel and finding a brothel. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sunday morning. So we knocked on the. Where's this place? It was next to uh, Basel Cathedral. Massive. Obviously, Switzerland, very uh, Roman Catholic country. Uh, Basel, very Roman Catholic city. And the, the place called, was called Good Time Girls. So I took a picture of it outside. <laughs> of banged it on the door at 10 o'clock in the morning <laughs> while everyone's going in next door for the church. <laughs> and banged on the door. Um, this bloke answered and I went he said we're not open yet I said no I'm not worried about that I just need to speak to someone so I said I just want to talk yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to know like, <laughs> I, yeah. I just want to talk so, so I said oh, yeah, I was about it. have you got a price list like, and he ended me he went hang on open the door give me this price list door shut and then he opened the door and went and no prompting this was like I wanted him to say but he went Half price. <laughs> so I thought, great, that is the story. That is yeah. the line. I promise it. I then <laughs> turned around and was writing it down when a woman, a parishioner, and clearly one of the church wardens, ran out of the church and threw holy water over me and said, how dare you on a Sunday? Seriously? Oh, dear, dear. Sean's just shaking yeah. his head in dismay. Yeah. Um, tell me about Kevin Keegan resigning after losing to Germany. Well... There's really a whole series. We seem to play Germany every every other month around 2000. And and England actually, even though it was a bad European Championships, England actually beat Germany. Um, I think Ger- it might have been Gerald's debut. We, anyway, 1-1-0, one, one, um, which was good. But then we had to play them in the World Cup uh, in the World Cup qualifier. Mm. Where, um, Matt? Where, where this is Wembley's last game. 
tensions ratcheting up. I think it was the night before... The programme that used to be on before what is now Sky Sunday Supplement used to be called Hold the Back Page. It used to go out mm -hmm. on a Friday yep. night. And the journalists on there that night absolutely tore into Kevin Keegan about the fact mainly that Gareth Southgate was playing in defensive central midfield rather than as a centre-half. Absolutely tore into him. Keegan, it transpired, watched this and he was absolutely fuming. He felt the journalists were disloyal. Mm. He felt they, you know, they weren't getting behind England. Uh, it, it was relayed back to us via the, the FA comms team that this was really hadn't gone down very well, etc. Anyway, so that particular game, England lose obviously 1-0. And I, I don't know if you can remember the day, but Keegan resigns uh, in the toilets and it's raining and Wembley has a firework display to mark <laughs> the end of Wembley. Of it's, course. It's, it's not dark. Mm -hmm. The rain's coming down. We've lost one another time to Germany. And suddenly these fireworks start <laughs> exploding. Yeah, with virtually nobody left in the stadium. A manager resigning by the toilets. Just the juxtaposition <laughs> of the whole thing is just... Um, firework display. So obviously we've lost, we've lost that game. King resigns. We go on to Finland... With so there's no manager, mm. so somebody goes, uh, we better give it Howard Wilkinson. So Howard Wilkinson gets the job, and and when we when we get to Finland, he really he, he's brought along a sort of team of like Stuart Pierce, who's there, and we're not quite sure why he's there. He said, is he here to play? Howard, he goes, you're joking. Have you seen him play recently? Well, what's he here to do? <laughs> well, he's come along as a bit of a bit of a coach. All right, Tony Adams, Martin Keogh, and they're yeah. all shaking their heads, and it was like a. I remember Robbie Fowler and Steve McManaman warming up on the touchline out in Finland and really not taking it very seriously. England yeah, was yeah. an absolute an absolute shambles. Joke, so yeah. um, we got from that, and then, of course, we come to play Germany again. And I was remember, so it's Germany away. This is, and by this time, uh, Ericsson has taken over. And Steven Gerrard was put up, and he had had a tackle with Dietmar Hamann, who obviously was his Liverpool mm. teammate. Hamann had taken an exception to this and didn't like the tackle it had happened at the Euros and we asked Gerard about this tackle he said do you do you, do you regret it and, and he said no he squealed like a girl so so <laughs> what no. your own teammate yeah he squealed like a girl and can and I just was, say he probably shouldn't have made a comment like that uh, well yeah, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. just need a so, disclaimer so there so there's a German reporter next to us who hasn't quite heard this and he says what is this squirrel <laughs> and he's gone, he's gone, you what? Squirrel. He's gone, oh, he squealed things. like a squirrel. You're like, yeah, that no, was no, it. No, no, no. So he squealed like a girl. And he's gone, hey? No, no, it's definitely not squirrel. It's girl. But, but then, of course, from that, obviously, within England press fact, it was like it becomes yeah. squirrel, squirrel like a squirrel. And then, to round it off, we go and beat Germany 5-1, which is the greatest night I've ever had mm. covering oh, football. Yeah. It was just a phenomenal evening. Uh, the picture of the scoreboard, it will live long in my memory. Absolutely. And it was a bit of a... For a while, it was it was good times for England. But the contrast really from... I also remember the contrast for me was those fireworks going <laughs> off in yeah. the rain with Keegan resigned by the toilets to a picture of that scoreboard in Munich yeah. with... Germany won England five on it. Uh, amazing mm. contrast. Oh, Michael Owen coming out with a match ball in the bin bag. Did he? Yeah, Did I remember. remember. He's had a black yeah. bin bag with a match ball in it. Yeah, yeah Nick's here, they? <laughs> <laughs> Almost poetic. Right, coming up, we will be recalling more big game experiences. Uh, we'll be back after this break. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to Swedes 2 Turnips 1. We're talking big games with Sean Custis, Paul Jiggins and Andy Dillon. Now, not every game can be a cup final, but it is worth remembering that big games are relative, as we were discussing at the top of this pod. Jigo, tell me about your Road to Wembley feature. Oh, we used to do, um, it used to be Wembley to Wembley, so um, we'd start off at, say, non-league Wembley, and they'd normally play in the extra qualifying mm-hmm. round, and we'd go on, and so whoever won, we'd stick with them until they lost, and then we'd go with the team who won until they lost, all the way through as far as possible. Normally died a death around the quarterfinals because they're all the big clubs, and mm-hmm. we've already done all the stories about the big clubs before. So one year, um, got Leamington, um, Midlands, Southern Division 1, um, really early on, uh, they played a team in Woodford Town from uh, Northamptonshire, I remember, going up there. And it was like, literally a rope around a pitch. Um, and they, you know, all part-time players, uh, no no ex-pros, and they made it all the way to round one. And they played Colchester. So I live in Essex, and I got to know, having covered a few games mm. in, I was getting to the stage where when I was going to limit and I'd go down and stay with the manager the night before, Jason Cannon, who was a did you go and stay with him? Yeah, because because obviously Leamington's not not a wealth of hotel or not of you know, and, and we just become and he'd let you almost in. mates. That's so yeah. nice. So it's all good. Hmm. So he said, "Oh, he couldn't do me a favour." I thought, "Great, this is where my career, this is my goodbye to Sunsport and my career." That's <laughs> where I get rich. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Would you go and scout Colchester for me? So I literally we done it one Saturday for the paper, and I went along as a, as a spy. Mm. And then, but and I went and done pro- probably like two games, midweek games, and another Saturday game where. I had all the, the dossier, all the scouting, mm. uh, the pitch, the tactics, balls, the set pieces, biogs, the strengths and weaknesses on each player. This dossier was absolutely so full. You know, it must have cost the company a fortune when I covered it to them. <laughs> 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 but, but we, it was all good, and I thought, great. So when I went and did the game as well, and I, th- I, I thought, God, if they win, this is really like, yeah, this could be, it could be the start of something. Anyway, they lost 9-1. <laughs> <laughs> and my scouting days were over, were over before they had begun. But the only good thing, was that the, the nice end to it was, was I was in the press box and Jason Cannon come and got me out of the press box for the post-match lap, lap of honour, or dishonour, as it probably was. <laughs> oh, and you waved to the crowd, here's our scout, here's the man who calls, <laughs> the one who calls this. Yeah. He did all the hard work. I would take date anything to get on a football pitch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> completely. I suppose, like, you know, when it comes towards the, the latter end of a season, it's all about sort of... You know, we just talk, talk about the top end of the football leagues. What about the relegation battles? Yeah, I mean, I loved covering lower league football. I, I, I really didn't enjoy it. And I had been at the Derby Evening Telegraph where I, where I covered Derby County Reserves for my sins and Chesterfield and things like that. So I got I got a job as a reporter for a league club, Lincoln City, on the Lincolnshire Echo. Very excited about this. I remember the 
uh, I got it on the Friday, and on the Saturday, actually, Derby played Lincoln City. So it was before I left the left the Derby Telegraph. Derby won seven nil. So I am going. This is the club I'm going on to to report. <laughs> thinking, oh great, I've got my f- first team, and it was just a relegation battle all season. It was in the third tier of football, um, the third division then, and uh, it was a struggle and a struggle. Mm. And in those days, I don't know whether it still happens now. Local reporters travelled on the team bus with with yeah, the, with yeah. the team, with the players, yeah. manager, played cards with them, talked to the manager, stopped off, had a meal with them, everything. And I remember we're going to. Bristol Rovers away. This is the second last game of the season. They need. It depends on how the results go. Anyway, we go to Bristol Rovers, and it, it the build up was massive in the town. Got to win, got to win, got to win. They've got Wolves in their last game, and Wolves are already relegated. So, mm. so they play Bristol Rovers. It finishes two two, and various other games had gone on in the night, and nobody had worked out the ramifications. So we all get on the team buzz, and it's left to me to work out. What it all, what it all meant. All so I've been going through the table and all that, and I remember up on the bus saying, "Well, if you win, there is a slight chance you could stay up if you win the last game. But you've got to do it. It's got to be seventeen nil. Seventeen nil against Wolves in the left. And on the last game of the season, Wolves were already down. This what says so much about Wolves as a big club. They yeah, were already yeah. relegated. They brought about five thousand fans. <laughs> so many God. fans. And Lincoln scored after about two minutes. We're one, one nil up. <laughs> we got sixteen to go. Yeah. Sadly, lost three two. It was uh, so a very sad occasion. And the following season, they went out the league completely. So it was. Uh, I'd left by then, though. Couldn't yeah. take it anymore. Those yeah. are huge games. But what about um, some of the clubs we don't often associate with Europe? Andy, Millwall's only UEFA Cup tie. And I want to be able to pronounce this, but I don't even know which country it's from. Ferenc Varos. Ferenc Varos. Oh, I didn't do too yeah, well. Yeah, they're a rough old club, they Ooh. were. Ferenc mm. Varos, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. that's a huge game. How many Millwall fans have travelled? Do you know? Uh, they, were, they were limited to 1,600 tickets by UEFA. Oh, really? Day, yeah. I think they were limited to 1,600 tickets <laughs> by UEFA. If my memory serves me yes, correctly. Yes, yes, indeed, yeah. yeah. No, and I, your memory being the voice <laughs> in your ear coming yeah, from your yeah. right, yeah. And, um, of course, I'm a West Ham supporter, but I've always had a... I quite like Millwall, and um, you know, my granddad was a Millwall supporter as well. Um, and I got—I I don't please know where I got on. Please put that on. He's going to get slaughtered. <laughs> yeah, no, no, please edit that out because I'll get, yeah. get caned. I got assigned to uh, their their trip, and at the time, now their very colourful chairman was Theo Pafitis of Dragons Den oh, fame, hmm. and he—he he was great, but. He knew I supported West Ham. Right. So, because uh, I remember one night I came away from the new den and I've got an old, I had an old Vesper at the time. And I'm like, it's the A2, isn't it? That just goes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you go down, down. The old Kent Road. The old Kent, that's it. Anyway, I'm at these lights. And it's not a nice part of London, particularly if you're a West Ham supporter, even though nobody really knows it. You <laughs> Actually, can, on a moped. It's almost it's like you've got nice. Claret and Blue. Can they just not tell? It's a moped, it's a scooter. It's a scooter. <laughs> okay. So I'm at the lights. A Vesper <laughs> is, a, is a scooter. I'm at the lights moped, after this night scooter. game and I'm just ticking over waiting for it to go green. This car pulls up on my left hand side, window comes down, and I'm just standing there and I just suddenly hear this bloke go, West Ham scum. And I thought, how has anybody recognised yeah. me here? Who was it? So I just keep looking ahead because I'm not going to give up anything. West Ham scumbag. And this was a car. So it was a car, your, yeah. Your dark inside. Yeah, yeah. Really, really rainy, horrible yeah, night. Yeah, no, no, you don't want to get involved in that. They always It's never a nice evening, is there? Um, <laughs> West Ham scumbag. And eventually I just pluck up the courage just as it goes orange. Look, 
and it's Theo Pafiti. No. Yeah. <laughs> the chairman of the war. Brilliant. But following on from that, when I did the UEFA Cup game, I'm in the queue of the official flight out there, and I'm in the queue for checking in. And I'm in a queue, it must have been 200 strong, Millwall, all mm. on the way out there. And he just does the same thing. He walked up to me, and as loud as he could, what are you doing here, Dylan, you West Ham scumbag? <laughs> <laughs> and at which point, 200 Millwall heads all turn around and cock me. Did you squeal like a squirrel? <laughs> <laughs> but that, that was where I found out Did about you dig the, a Bermondsey, hole into the, ground? the Bermondsey male voice choir. They are, this is a group of Millwall fans. Mm-hmm. I think they're pretty law-abiding, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, they are pretty law-abiding. But when they when they try and go away, pauses, jiggling. Yeah. They they can't get to no hotels, so we book ourselves in, or they put themselves in under Birmingham right. Choir. For example, right. when we're going to Nottingham Forest this weekend, it's a, one of the weekends away, and because Jimmy Carr's playing in Nottingham, we're going as a Jimmy Carr Appreciation Society. <laughs> forty-five of us. Because if you say, wow. if you say it's forty-five Millwall fans, about actually, you can't put out because it runs up the Friday. That's yeah, all right. yeah, yeah. And I remember going to Ferenc Varos. And um, th- there was a big banner, and it said, Good luck, Lions, from the Bermondsey Male Voice Choir. <laughs> <laughs> oh, love it. Love it, love it. God, big games. Uh, it is all relatives, isn't it? That is all we've got time for in this episode of Swedes 2 Turnips 1. My thanks, as always, to Sean, Paul, and Andy. Um, look forward to having you on the pod soon I'm sure. Uh, remember to subscribe and review the pod at Apple Podcasts, Spotify Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Reshman Chowdhury. That is it from us. It's been a pleasure to have your company. We'll see you next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.